When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Today, a very special guest, former Minnesota Viking, Jeremiah Searles. I will tell you why Jeremiah Searles is appearing on this podcast first before we welcome Jeremiah in. Uh, he got hurt in Carolina, joined old friend Norv Turner and Vikings Southeast there in the offseason, but had a hamstring injury, so now currently a free agent. And on this podcast, we are very pro-offensive line. We want to learn as much as we can about offensive line. So as uh, he's working his way back, he's going to join us to talk some O-line. Jeremiah, how are you? I'm doing well, man. appreciate you having me on. And, uh, yeah, as you said, I'm just here in Nebraska rehabbing, getting healthy, so that once I'm back, I can sign with the team and get back out on the field as quickly as possible. Well, wish you the quickest of recovery. I, I know the reason that I kind of thought to have you on was because the Vikings – had you as a player that could fill into any spot you played right tackle you played at the guard position and then when you went to Carolina they had to scramble when uh, Pat Elfline wasn't ready to come back Uh, maybe we could start off there as kind of a a player who had to play multiple positions and the type of value you were able to bring to the Vikings over the last couple of years how challenging is that to not know on a weekly basis which position you might have to fill in at any time at the snap of the fingers and be prepared for playing either tackle or guard. Yeah, so I learned early on in my career as a rookie that uh, one of my coach, Joe DeLisandris, who's now the coach at the Baltimore Ravens, as an undrafted guy, he looked at me and goes, hey, the more you can do, the longer you can stay. Mm-hmm. And so I really took that to heart as far as like, you know, I started realizing as I was on practice squad in San Diego, just kind of learning and watching as everything was unfolding that, man, there's only seven dressed offensive linemen on game day. Mm-hmm. And if I wanted to be one of those seven, I mean, as a young guy, you just want to be able to dress and have an opportunity. I was like, I got to be able to play multiple positions. And so I took it as a challenge for myself to learn how to play guard after only playing tackle in college. And mentally being like, you know what, I'm going to be the most mentally sharp guy that I can be so that when my number does get called, because when an opportunity arises, that I can take the most, the, uh, I can take advantage of it to the best of my ability. 
And so actually, I actually got a chance to play the last two games of my rookie year at guard for the Chargers. And I played well at right guard for them. And then I went through the next uh, preseason with the Chargers and I played all five positions in the preseason. I actually, I think I had the second most snaps in the entire NFL, my second preseason at every single position and center even. And uh, I got traded to Minnesota. And when they traded for me, it was because they said, your versatility is, I mean, it's incredible. It's really good to have. And we don't have a lot of depth because that was in 2015 when, the load holding got hurt. John Sullivan had gotten hurt. And I mean, a lot of those guys had gotten hurt early in the preseason and I just continued to grow my craft from there. And that year was actually the one year in my career that all five offensive linemen starting from Minnesota didn't have a single injury. <laughs> and so I ended up did not playing a snap that entire year. Mm-hmm. And then the next year, 2016 came around and that was the complete opposite. Right. We could not have any more injuries. So I ended up um, I get my first meaningful playing time in Carolina when Alex Boone went down. And I played the entire second half at left guard. And then the next week, eight plays into the game, Andre Smith popped his tricep, and I ended up playing the rest of the game at right tackle. And then that year I switched between right tackle and left guard for pretty much the rest of the year, just kind of bouncing in with Jake Long coming in and Alex getting hurt a couple times and Joe Berger having a concussion. And so, I mean, we just I just bounced around, and it, it really helped me grow as a player in my third year. Um getting those meaningful snaps. But I mean, the preparation part is something that I still am learning and still am growing at, but it's something that I've learned how to do so that when I do get my number called, I'm ready to go. So I've become very fascinated by little techniques like, you know, how you have a pass set and how you kick as a tackle and and differently as a guard and things like that. Uh, When you're preparing for a week and you're trying to cram on both, uh, how difficult is it to also switch techniques back and forth i mean when you're talking about hey all of a sudden jeremiah you got to go run in at guard and you know you've been maybe trying to improve a tackle or something like that i mean what what goes into that uh, the the technique part of it yeah so i mean just on a weekly basis you just got to make sure you're getting your reps in so i know that like when there was weeks that i was like okay i am the right tackle this week i'm starting right tackle i would make sure i just did focused only on right tackle Mm -hmm. If I was just left guard, I focused only on left guard. But if I was that sixth man, I would make sure during the week I would talk to Coach Ferrano or I would talk to um, and uh, our assistant, uh, Janoko, and I'd be like, hey, on the scout team, like I'm going to go into this period of tackle. I'm going to go in this period of guard. I'm going to mm-hmm. go in this period of left guard. And I'd just make sure I'd work all those techniques. And it might not have been with our game plan, but it would have been going against our defense. And our defense in Minnesota is obviously it was very good. And so getting the chance to go up against guys like Everson and Daniil and B-Rob and um, Tom Johnson at the time, like it just, it really would help me hone in my skills at all the positions so that when I ran out there a game day, yes, I mentally was sharp because I mentally knew what I was doing. I might not have got all the reps physically, but I made sure I stood in the back and mentally took a rep each time, like looking at the plays and then watching the film again and watching how everyone took the rep. But then physically, I was getting the physical reps against number one team players. Mm-hmm. So that when I would go into the game, it wasn't a drop-off of talent. I wasn't taking all reps just against scout team guys or against defensive scout team guys. I was taking reps against the number one defense. And so that was kind of how I physically prepared. And then mentally, it was just a constant grind of watching the film and watching different guys like from around the league of how they play certain guys and like trying to maybe copy techniques that they saw that I saw was really effective for them. 
or maybe seeing things that they, they tried that didn't work so well. So maybe I'd want to avoid that and just watching from guys around the league of seeing what worked, what didn't work, and then formulating my own game plan going into the game at each position. Yeah, that's something that I've been thinking about a lot, especially with Khalil Mack coming to the NFC North. And I was watching him last night. That guy is a monster. And I, I just imagine the type of preparation it takes to scout everything he can do when he has so many different moves in his toolbox. I mean, he could just bull rush you at one point. He could spin on you. He could do almost anything on every single rep. Can you kind of take us through the process of, if you know especially that you're going to start a tackle, what it's like to scout uh, against some of these incredible edge rushers that are in the NFL now? Yeah, so, I mean, the first thing you have to do is you just have to break it down. Um, a lot of people think that when you watch film, it's, oh, I just I watched an entire game. Like, oh, I put on last week's game, and I just ran through the game, and I watched film. No, I mean, the way that I watch film is through the cut-ups. Mm-hmm. I'll watch, okay, well, here's first and second down, here's third and short, here's third and long, here's the two-minute drill. And so when you're really studying a pass rusher, you you like to put on third and long tape. You put on, okay, it's it's third and long. Like, they know that they need to stop. What is this guy's go-to? Mm-hmm. And the way that I would always break it down is I'd try and watch as many of the third downs from the four-game breakdown, five-game breakdown, however many it was, and I'd use a tally system like, okay, this is I'd, – I'd go through and I'd write down like, okay, spin move, bull rush, arm over, inside counter. And then every time I would see that move again, I'd put a tally next to it. Hmm. And so then by the end of me watching, I'd say, okay, he bull rushed 15 times. He spin moves four times. He arm over 11 times. Or, and then you kind of just break it down into that like, okay, so this is what I need to watch for. Like when it's crunch time, this is what he gets to. This is his, this is his number one. This is how he wants to attack me. But then at the same time, you can go back and you watch other pass rushers against yourself and see if they copied moves like, okay, what did they see against me that they liked? Now that, yeah, that's something I didn't think of the, the self scouting aspect of it. So, so yeah, I mean, there's a huge self scouting part to it. So you're looking for different indicators of how you played what sort of techniques you use or if you sort of gave away different leverages i mean how does that how does that work of scouting yourself yeah so you watch you watch the game from the week before obviously and then you watch the games like every week you obviously you scout self yourself you excuse me you self scout <laughs> yourself and so if you start seeing the same moves Mm-hmm. Over and over and over again, like man, I'm getting spun on a lot, mm-hmm. or I'm getting I'm getting the jump out rush a lot, or I'm getting long armed a lot. Like, okay, so that's something that those guys who also study tape and are professionals are watching and seeing that they think they can get success on me. So it's it's the internal chess game of that one on one matchup that you look at and that you study for and that you try and find ways to get the edge on the other person. Now and when- go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to ask, when it comes to, pa- is it pass rusher to pass rusher for the toughest move to stop, or is there a move where all the offensive linemen in the league, all the tackles say, man, this one is just really tough, or guys are better at this than they used to be? Is is there that one move, whether you know, you're know you talking about the, the long arm move, and I'm thinking of like Daniel Hunter and how good he does that, and I mean, maybe it's just a, a guy-to-guy type thing? It is, but I mean, if you ask any D-line coach in the NFL, the, the number one move that you can then work all your moves off of is the bull rush. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can establish, I always I always try and see, like, how early in a game does a guy try and establish a bull rush? Right. 
I mean, if he's right off the bat, first down, second down, third down, the right, and he's getting a bull rush established, it's because he wants you to think, okay, this guy's going to run through me. He's going to try and run through me every play, get you to sit down, duck your head, and then he's going to come with the counter. So explain to me then how you put down the anchor, because this is something we've heard about. Brian O'Neill's the rookie. They drafted him. He's trying to put on weight. And one of the things that I've heard from just coaches, John DiFilippo, Clancy Barone, that they mention he's got to work on putting down that anchor. But, I I mean, explain how you get better at that and kind of what that means. Yeah, so everyone thinks putting down the anchor is just like, oh, you hit him, you squat with your legs. A lot of putting down the anchor starts with your punch. It starts with how you hit him with your hands. If you can disrupt a pass rusher with your hands, then it takes a lot of his power away. If you can hit him and knock his shoulders up because you have a good strike with your hands, Mm -hmm. then it allows you to sit down and get back underneath yourself instead of just catching him in the chest. Then you're using only your legs to try and stop a guy that like Khalil Mack or Von Miller and Everson that is a good pass rusher that is using their whole strength. Like it's a full body movement to set your anchor. Like you got to make sure you hit them with your hands. Maybe you have to headbutt them if you can identify the bull rush, hit them with your head and try and get underneath their pads and then squat. And so it's not just a like, oh, he, he can't drop his anchor because he doesn't have the lower body strength. Like, no, everyone in the NFL has the lower body strength or mm-hmm. else you wouldn't be in the NFL. Right. It's a combination of putting it all together. It's a combination of hitting them with your hands and striking them at the right time, having the correct aiming point so that you're not off balance, like being balanced in your set and then squatting down on them and getting underneath it. I mean, if you watch a lot of – Joe Thomas was the best at it. I mean, he's one of the best offensive linemen to ever play the game, but you'd see him – He'd see the bull rush, he'd clamp with his hands, and he'd drop his hips. I mean, it was all so – I mean, it, it all was in milliseconds. And dude would identify it, do it quickly, and then, like, he'd stand the guy up. And once you stand a defensive lineman up, his pass rush is over. So I don't know and, if you've ever heard Joe Thomas's podcast, but he talks about some of this stuff and just other general football things and telling stories and whatever else. But I, I listen kind of closely for some of the stuff that he's talking about with different techniques that he used, and it seems to me – Jeremiah, that not only is uh, Joe a a freak, uh, you know, athletically and things like that, but his ability to process mentally just happens so quick. I mean, when we talk about football IQ, I I guess that's how I've started to think of it is not just can a guy study film and tell me what he sees because that might be a coach or scout, but to actually apply it that fast, uh, it feels like that's what all the best players are able to do. Absolutely. I mean, the game of football is so fast i mean i think it's like 1.8 seconds or whatever the quarterback's going to throw the ball so you have to be able to identify the rush like what rush am i getting while still taking your set moving backwards he's running forwards and then using all your techniques and everything and it happens just immensely fast and so yeah it's the ability to take what you learn in the classroom and see what you study on the film and can you then apply it to real-time speed so and that's what separates the great offensive linemen from good offensive linemen to average offensive linemen to young offensive linemen is just that ability to take what you see and apply it. It's like anything in life. You have to be able mm-hmm. to learn and apply. But it just happens on a much larger scale and a much faster scale than most people are used to. When you, when you talk about the bull rush, was there a, a time, do you remember, where someone hit you with one of those at, early in your career and you said, Oh man, I'm gonna like this is this is a heck of a lot different than college. Do you kind of remember that moment for you? I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, I remember there's a lot of times. I mean, I learned very often. Another thing I got told by an older offensive lineman, King Dunlap, when I was my rookie year, he goes, the NFL, he goes, here's how the NFL works. It's not college, man. You're not going to dominate everyone. Mm -hmm. He goes, the NFL, you're going to get yours, and you're going to get God. He goes, but the name of the game is you get yours more than someone gets you. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I took that part of I mean, there'd be times in college where you're like, oh, I'm playing against a retro freshman this week. Like, I'm just going to crush this kid. Mm -hmm. But now it's every single player is the best player on their college team, if not the best player in their conference that you're going up against every week. And right. so I can remember going against Melvin Ingram um, as a rookie and just struggling with the speed and struggling with the power. And it's just like, man, this is just he's such a complete player. And then even a guy that a guy that has given me trouble in the past are shorter guys with leverage, Brand, a Brandon Graham type out in Philly, like guys that really play with their leverage and play well. And so, I mean, there's still guys that like just give you problems and you just got to learn how to adapt and play them again. So that like, again, like that's the thing with the NFL, you're going to see these guys over and over again. And so you see them and you learn how to adapt. But I can just remember a few times as a young player, especially in San Diego and even my first year in Minnesota when I'm going against Daniil and Everson and Linville, that's just like, man, these guys are like really, really good. And you just have to elevate your game. But it's the old, it's the old, I mean, it's the cliche saying that iron sharpens iron. I mean, the better guys you go against on a daily basis makes it easier when you're in the games and it's game speed and everything's going faster and it's as close to practice skill as the game is, if that makes sense. It does, yeah. And it seems to me that the mental toughness is also part of that makeup of all the successful offensive linemen and that ability to get over it because – Nobody is going to be perfect on a weekly basis. Every single player is going to get burned. Is there a process that you had mentally to kind of get past that? Or is that just something that kind of exists within you already that you, you don't hang on to those things? Because it seems to me that some of the top pick offensive linemen, it's not their talent. It's not their athleticism that sometimes... It can just be the confidence, especially since there's 65,000 people sitting there watching you live. There's every coach breaking down every rep throughout the week. There's every person, you know, 8 million people watching you on TV at that time. I mean, if you get burned, everyone sees it. You know what I mean? And that seems like oh, a, yeah. a, an incredible pressure to be on every play. Yeah, I mean, you have to have what's called a short memory. Um, you always hear people talk about it with defensive backs. But I think defensive backs and offensive linemen are very similar in that because it's really easy to let things snowball out of control. And so, I mean, you always have to take it one play at a time, one rep at a time. And if you get beat, like, okay, well, you got to do kind of the quick learning, the quick self-scout. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't have the time to look at the look at the film like during a game, but you come off the sideline, you can look at the pictures and be like, okay, what did I do and how do I not do it again? Right. And uh, vice versa, the defensive lineman's on the other side going, okay, this is what I hit him with. I'm going to get back to that because it was successful. It's like a play call. You, an offensive coordinator hits a guy with a good play call or hits a defense with a good play call. Like he's going to come back to the well at some point until the well's dry. Mm -hmm. And so for, as an offensive lineman, you have to be like, okay, he hit me with a spin move. Well, guess what? I'm going to see that again, but next time I'm going to be ready for that. And then your confidence is when you see it again and you catch him in it and you're like, okay, got him. Now he's, <laughs> now he's thinking, what do I have to go to next? It's that internal, it's the internal game inside the game. I mean, it, there's 11 little games going on every single play on every single position. And so it, it's such a, it's such a cool thing about offensive linemen is there's a, 
bunch of one-on-one matchups throughout the entire game, not just in pass pro and run blocking too, that you're constantly trying to get the edge over each other mentally and physically. And so if you do get beat, it's just about having that short-term memory, learning from it, and then making sure you don't get beat again. So maybe you could tell me about some guys that you played with last year that I think have made a huge impact on the Vikings offensive line and or at least will when Pat Elfline comes back from having surgery on his shoulder and his ankle. I, I want to start with him a little bit because he came in as a rookie and of course he played at Ohio State and you know so that's sort of like you know an offensive lineman university but yeah what what I'm a Nebraska dude. I'll never give Ohio State credit. You, you, you can gotta, say as I mean, much on. as you want about. You can say as much as you want about the great Ohio State. <laughs> There's still just going to be poo poo in my book. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to compete with. They got Orlando Pace. I mean, right? Yeah, we have Dave Remington. Okay. All right. All right. Well, I, I I'll I'll walk that back a little bit. <laughs> I was I was only getting to the point that playing against Michigan is not playing against Philadelphia Eagles and. For Elfline to step in the way he did last year, I thought was really, really impressive. I mean, right from the get-go, he was a difference maker at a position that you said you've played at times the center, and that's kind of the quarterback of the offensive line. Explain what you saw from him last year and why he was able to succeed so quickly. Yeah, I mean, we knew when right when Pat got there, we could tell he was going to be a good player. Um, a lot of the old guys, just the way that he was able to get out on the field and learn very quickly and even his skill set for a young player was really cool to see. And so he knew that watching him grow through OTAs and through training camp and in even he was continuing to grow and get better, we thought, as the season progressed. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's how you can tell if a rookie is going to be a good player is how they continue to progress throughout the year. And he was starting, I mean, there was things early on, like having guys like Joe Berger next to him obviously helped, the guy who's played the center position for a long time, been in the league a long time, and could help like help him see things. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, Joe was letting Pat be the center. You can't have two centers on the team. Right. It, it makes it tough, but, I mean, it, it helps that Joe was there to lean on for him. And so, I mean, by the end of the year, Joe was like, I'm not making any calls. Like, this guy's got it. And so that was cool. That was cool to see. That was cool to see that Pat had gotten it towards the end of the year. And it just really, I feel really bad. I mean, Pat was one of my really good friends. We still talk to each other all the time. And, I mean, it's just unfortunate the way his season had to end with those two surgeries. I mean, that's tough for anyone, especially going into your first off season. Yeah. I mean, your first off season from NFL is one that you grow a lot in because you get that full off season of you're not training for the combine, you're not training for senior day, mm-hmm. like – a pro day, you just get to truly train to be a better athlete and better football player. And so, I mean, it was unfortunate for Pat, but I think he's going to be able to bounce back. I like that he's not rushing back because, I mean, he is only young, so there's no point getting out there and re-hurting himself. He's going to have a long career. And so, but, I mean, seeing what he could do as a rookie coming in was really special. You know, and from my perspective, just interviewing him, he kind of had the right mentality and the right I, I don't know if this is the, the good way to put it but like the way he presented himself is the way that I would have expected a veteran offensive line to do that I mean not that any offensive linemen are out there pumping themselves up usually right but right uh, but but just his his mental maturity it stands out even when you interview him from a media perspective and I think if he's taking over for center that that had to show pretty quickly yeah, I mean, he, he's very mature. Um, he's a mature guy. He definitely knows how to handle himself. And 
he just he he very businesslike, mm-hmm. and that's what you like to see from your centers. Is you like to see him very businesslike, but he's also a great guy that you could just go and grab dinner and a beer with and have a great conversation with. He's very personable, and being the center position, you have to be able to relate to different guys. Right, you have to be able to find ways that you can communicate with different guys because I mean. I guarantee you Pat Eflin's background and a guy like Rashad Hills and a guy like Remmers and even Riley Reef, like they all come from different places. Right. So being able to communicate and being able to relate with guys on the offensive line from different backgrounds and making sure you're all on the same page, understand the same thing is tough. And that's on the center. And I thought Pat did a really nice job, especially as a young guy, being able to do that with everyone last year. Now, before I let you go, I need you to tell me something about Riley Reef because he never talks. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but he's I mean, he right? I mean, he has this sort of tough demeanor to him, and I think that that's it's like on brand for him not to ever want to talk to the media. Yeah, that's just I mean, that's who Riley Reed is. I mean, he's from he played at Iowa, which is again sucks. But uh, <laughs> he, I know he lives in South Dakota, and I think he just lives by himself, and he's just a tough guy that just loves to work. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you don't run into those guys any like that much anymore. That literally, like, the dude loves to work. Mm-hmm. He loves to show up and lift and run and practice. And you're not going to hear much out of him, but when you do, it's important. When Riley Reef stands up to talk, when Riley Reef says something, it's because it's important to him. Mm-hmm. And so having that guy come into the room, and especially when Boone when Boone left out of the room last year, and it was kind of a void of that leadership role, Riley stepped into that really nicely. It was a very different style of leader than Boone was I would say mm-hmm. and we really all kind of rallied behind him and we followed the way that he went and it, I mean, it showed dividends for us last year I thought we had a really good offensive line in Minnesota last year we played well mm-hmm. struggled at times but I mean we won 13 13 games I mean that, that's not an easy thing to do and so I think a lot of that had to do with our play up front and with coach Sperano I mean the way that he was able to get us get us together and get us molded together I thought was special Well, Jeremiah, this has been awesome and an education for me and all of our podcast listeners. And I will thank our podcast listeners again because of how much they love offensive line. When we've done offensive line breakdowns and things like that on the podcast, they do well. They get a lot of response. So uh, you can appreciate that Vikings fans are watching not just where the ball is going, but everything that's going on on the field uh, as well. So I hope that we can connect again. And I also hope to see you back out on the field soon. Absolutely. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I'd love to get back on, but uh, hopefully I'm hopefully I'm a little busy here for the next <laughs> week or so. Right. All right. Well, th- thank you again, and thank you all for listening to the Purple Podcast. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.